Hello everyone and welcome back to the Woo Woo Podcast, a podcast for the spiritually open-minded. In this podcast, we talk about everything considered paranormal, witchy, supernatural, spiritual taboo, and, well, woo-woo. I'm your host, Ivy Martinez. I'm a spiritual business owner of a company called Unearthly Treasures, professional tarot card reader, and paranormal and occult YouTuber and TikToker, where I go by the name of Intuitive IVM as in Mary. (laughs) Today we're going to be talking all about a subject that I'm honestly quite experienced with, witchcraft and witches. And no, I'm not talking about the whole Harry Potter mumbo jumbo or Wizard of Oz, like actual real witchcraft. We're going to be talking about what real witches really do. We'll be covering the difference between Wicca and witchcraft, getting into a brief history behind witchcraft. We're also going to cover a vast array of the many different types of witches and practices, and we'll also be debunking some common myths and misconceptions of the craft. And at the end, we will also discuss how to get started in the craft if it was something that you did find interesting. So are you ready? Because it's about to get woo-woo. Alright, so let's just go ahead and get started with what is witchcraft and what are witches? Witchcraft, as defined by online sources, states, as the name suggests, it is a craft practiced by witches. Pretty self-explanatory, right? The reason why it's called witchcraft and not wizardcraft is that it's most commonly practiced in women. And throughout ancient times, it was more than likely a woman that was practicing witchcraft, not a man. Witchcraft, in fact, was known as the craft of the wise. And it was so called this because it was practiced because those who practice it lived close to nature and cured the diseases of people, a service that nobody else could render. Because these witches stayed close to nature, they, over a period of time, were able to decode the healing properties of various herbs and plants. A witch, as told on an article on Nerdist.com, is a person who holds a lot of knowledge, wisdom, or ethereal information and then uses that knowledge to alter the reality around themselves. Magic is basically a manipulation of energy, and you are the tool that manipulates the energy. So now that you know what witchcraft is, and now that you know what witches are, let's take a little look behind the history of the practice, because I feel like there's so much about witches that's just very common, really bad misconceptions of what witches really are. So we're, of course, going to talk about the common misconceptions that people have, but we're also going to get into an actual history of it so you could see in reality what really happened. So early witches were actually people who practiced witchcraft using magic spells and calling upon spirits for help or to bring about change. Most witches were thought to be pagans doing the devil's work. Many, however, were simply healers or so-called wise women whose choice of profession was misunderstood. So, yeah, most witches are not going to be these devil-worshipping people, okay? And even pagans don't even, like, most pagans don't even believe in the devil. They believed in a horn, especially Wiccan witches. They believed in, like, a horned god that was that christians adopted as their devil but it would it literally had nothing to do with that 
Um, so witch hysteria really took hold in Europe during the mid 1400s when many accused witches confessed often under torture to a variety of wicked behaviors within a century witch hunts were common and most of the accused were executed by burning at the stake or hanging single women widows and other women on the margins of society were especially targeted. So between the years 1500 and 1660, up to 8,000 suspected witches were put, death, were put to death in Europe. Around 80% of them were women, thought to be in cahoots with the devil and filled with lust. Come on now, really? German had the highest witchcraft execution rate, while Ireland had the lowest. The publication of the Malaeus Malefic. Karam, I'm sorry if I'm saying that wrong, written by two well-respected German Dominicans, or is it Dominicans? I hope I'm saying that right. In 1486, likely spurred witch mania to go viral. The book, usually translated into The Hammer of Witches, was essentially a guide on how to identify, hunt, and interrogate a witch if you wanted to. The Hammer of Witches labeled witchcraft as hearsay and quickly became the authority of for Protestants and Catholics trying to flush out witches living among them. So for more than 100 years, the book sold more copies than any other book in Europe except the Bible. As witch hysteria decreased in Europe, it grew in the New World, which was reeling from wars between the French and the British, a small pox epidemic and the ongoing fear of attacks from a neighboring native american drives this the tense atmosphere was ripe for finding scapegoats probably the best known witch trials took place of course which we all know in salem massachusetts in 1692 the salem witch trials began when a nine-year-old girl named elizabeth paris and an 11 year old girl named abigail williams began suffering from fits body contortions and uncontrollable screaming today it's believed that they were poisoned by a fungus that caused spasms and delusions as young as most young women began to exhibit these symptoms mass hysteria ensued and three women were executed of witchcraft, Sarah Good, Sarah Osborne, and Tubata, an enslaved woman owned by Paris's father. Tatuba confessed to being a witch and began accusing others of using black magic. And then on June 10th, Bridget Bishop became the first accused witch to be put to death during the Salem witch trials when she was hanged at the Salem gallows. Ultimately, around 150 people were accused and 18 were put to death. Women weren't only victims of the Salem witch trials. There was actually about six men that were also convicted and executed as well. Massachusetts wasn't the first of the 13 colonies to obsess about witches, though. In Windsor, Connecticut in 1647, Alcee Young was the first person in America to be executed for witchcraft. Before Connecticut's final witch trial took place in 1697, 46 people were accused of witchcraft in that state and 11 were put to death for that crime. In 
In Virginia, people were less frantic about witches. In fact, in Lower Norfolk Country in 1655, a law passed making it a crime to falsely accuse someone of witchcraft. Still, witchcraft was a concern. About two dozen witch trials, most of them were women, took place in Virginia between 1626 and 1730, but none of the accused were executed. So that's nice, at least. So now that we got a little brief history about witchcraft, let's talk about the difference between Wicca and witchcraft, because I feel like a lot of times people associate like Wicca and witchcraft being the same thing, and it's not. Wicca is a religion. You can be Wiccan, um, but you, you don't have to be Wiccan to be a witch. You don't have to be a witch to be Wiccan. <laughs> I hope that makes sense. So what Wicca versus witchcraft there are a lot of terms that are sometimes used. They're, they're, these terms are used interchangeably when honestly they shouldn't be. Wicca and witchcraft, although they're similar in certain things, they can honestly be very different as well. Wicca is a relatively new religion that was introduced to the public in the 1950s by a man named Gerald Gardner. Witchcraft, on the other hand, is not a religion. It's a spiritual practice. Most witches are pagan, but a witch can have any religion or, like myself, none at all. Wicca so Wicca combines some elements of traditional witchcraft with other ancient pagan rituals, ceremonial magic, and sometimes even some Eastern philosophy philosophies philosophies. Over the years, different ideals have been added onto it by many people. Although there are central ideas that are prevalent, Wicca itself has no specific central structure. There is no Wiccan Bible or anything equivalent to it. They do have like the Raymond Buckland's modern complete book of witchcraft, which a lot of, you know, Wiccan witches do use that. But Wicca is a duotheistic religion with a belief of both a god and a goddess. Many view it in a pantheonistic way, God, as an all-encompassing power with both masculine and feminine archetype characteristics, but both the masculine and the feminine are equally required for the whole creation to be possible. Wiccans focus on the connection with the divine and their own spirituality, so basically saying that it's not like the God isn't in control of the goddess, the goddess isn't in control of the God, like it's 50-50. Witchcraft is different. It's not a religion, but a spiritual practice that does honestly doesn't need to require any belief in any specific deities. You can work with a deity, but you don't have to. Although some Wiccans do incorporate witchcraft into their practice, it's honestly an independent thing. Not all Wiccans are witches, and not all witches are Wiccans. Not all witches use ceremonial magic, and many who do cast spells do so without a lot of tools or ritualistic items more common in Wicca. So now that we talked about the difference between Wicca and witchcraft, let's talk about debunking the biggest witchcraft myths and misconceptions. Number one is there are black witches, meaning evil witches, and white witches, meaning good witches. So you've probably heard about the term called black magic and white magic. Some people use these terms, but honestly, they probably shouldn't because generally speaking, magic itself isn't simply good or evil. It's a tool. You know, like it's just like money. Money is a tool. 
They say that money is not the root of all evil. Money is not evil. Money is not good. You pick and choose what you want to do with it. We can act selfish. We can act jealous. We can act petty from time to time. And honestly, that's okay because we're human. We all have, but we all have good sides that, that are loving too. And often the best way to get in touch with your loving side and then inject it into your magic is to recognize that you're human. Negative thoughts are normal. And instead of acting on them, performing a, performing a cleansing ritual, dance around, go to the gym, or take a long hot bath to soothe yourself are all acts that can be considered magical rituals. Number two, another common myth and misconception is that all witches are female. So it doesn't matter. You can be male, whether you're male, non-binary, trans, gender non-conforming, or anything else, you can be a witch. It's true that there is a beautiful history of witches and witchcraft being coming from women. In part because women have been so historically silenced that they used witchcraft to tap into their power and subvert the system. But ultimately, though, magic and witchcraft is genderless. Number three is that witches worship the devil. It's crazy how often witches get confused with Satanists. So many witches, especially the Wiccan witches, actually don't even believe in the devil. Fun fact, little secret. Actually, it shouldn't be a secret. Everybody should know this. This is something that everybody should know. The concepts of the devil and hell, those are both part of Christian theology. And while there are a few witches that do choose to follow him as a deity, most witches don't worship him and most don't even believe in him. Number four is that witches have a so-called dark Bible. We witches don't have a Bible, especially not a dark one. Witchcraft is a tool, just like money. In a sense that it could be used for a purpose that is good or what people consider good or act on acts of selfishness. But it's neither good nor evil. And there is no book that's good or evil. So no, there's no dark Bible. It's not the chilling adventures of Sabrina. It's not. So what we do have is something called the Book of Shadows. Or a grimoire, which, yes, a book of shadows does sound like a dark Bible, but a book of shadows is honestly just a journal that us witches use to write down anything new that we learn, list any spells that we've tried that we like, basically any divination work that we do. Your tarot card readings can go in here. You can list herbs and remedies, teas that you like even, and their uses, astrology notes. And among a lot of other spiritual and magical things. It's so no, it's not this dark Bible. Number five is that you must join a coven to be a witch. No, that's another myth and misconception. A coven is a group of witches. If you've seen American Horror Story Coven or pretty much any other witchcraft witch thing, you know, like the craft and all that there's usually like a coven involved it and there is such thing as covens there are there is a place where you meet regularly and perform magic and rituals 
A coven can be traditional with 13 members and a highly organized initiation process, or it can be laid back or, and designed by you and your witchy friends. And as witchcraft has become very mainstream, covens have become more casual. Some people enjoy the responsibility and framework of performing magic in a structured group, while a lot of other people perform better as solo artists, and that's okay. So by all means, if you want to, form a coven if it's appealing to you. But if magic is something that's highly personal that you want to do it alone, that works too. Like you don't have to be, you don't have to be in a coven to practice witchcraft. You could do it alone. Number six, another common myth and misconception is that hexes aren't real. I'm sorry if this scares you, but hexes, to be able to cast and inflict misfortune on others, are definitely real in the witchcraft practice. You may have heard of the rule of threes, or the belief that performing magic with ill intent will come back to you three times, turning the ill intent towards you. And the neo-pagan religion Wicca holds that three times what thou givest returns to three, which can be applied to positive magic as well. But the rule of threes doesn't simply mean, for example, that if you cast a spell to steal someone's man, that you and you said man get together, he'll cheat on you exactly three times. No, hexes like this usually entail like a bigger blowback. If you're performing magic to cause harm to someone, you're probably in a really nasty, like dark, malicious space. So you're likely not exuding positive, loving vibes, but you might be exuding some nasty, swampy, malicious ones. And it doesn't feel good to be a mean troll. So performing magic to release yourself of anger so you can move on after you've harmed can be healing so using the craft to hurt someone meanwhile often just ends up making you feel bad not to mention that positive energy is simply more powerful work with the universe and not against it because like i said the universe if you guys know the law of attraction what you give out you get back so if you're exuding this negative energy and you are meaning to cause harm to someone and you're putting that out into the universe, guess what? The universe is just going to throw it right back at you. So now that we've talked about that, let's talk about some different types of witches and different types of practices because there are a lot of different types of witches and there's a lot of different types of practice. So if you did want to practice witchcraft, for example, here are some common types of witches that you might find. So Let's go ahead and get started. Number one is the Cosmic Witch. The Cosmic Witch can be found staring into the night sky, stargazing and connecting with the energies of the cosmos. Similar to a Green Witch, she can also be connected to nature, but the Cosmic, who's connected to nature, the Cosmic Witch is connected to the celestial bodies, to the sun, the moon, the planets, the stars, the asteroids. Astrology and astronomy both intrigue the Cosmic Witch. They typically have a really dot a deep knowledge of both. So in creating magic through spell work or rituals, the cosmic witch will usually follow the cycles of the moon, the locations of the planets, or the positioning of the stars. But the cosmic witch, there are a lot of subtypes of cosmic witches. You can be specifically a lunar witch, and the lunar witch is more specifically just connected to the moon, and their spells and rituals are performed in accordance with the cycles of the moon. 
They may perform moon magic rituals and might even have a moon garden. Next is the solar witch. The solar witch is connected to the sun and uses the sun's energy and their magic. And they also perform sun magic rituals. Then we have the planetary witch who is connected to specific to either a specific planet She's connected to a selected few or to all of them. Every planet holds certain magical qualities and a planetary witch will basically tap into their magic. And in a, lastly is an astrology witch. So an astrology witch is connected to, you guessed it, astrology and the zodiac signs. They tap into the astrology and the zodiac signs when performing spells and rituals. Now type number two is the crystal witch. The crystal witch finds and harnesses the power found in crystals and feels deeply connected to them. Crystals fill their homes. Like the jewelry that they wear are usually made out of crystals. And their spells and rituals, crystals are an essential part. The crystal witch will call on the energies of the crystals while conducting spells or rituals. For example, the crystal witch may invoke the energy of love with a rose quartz crystal. During the full moon, the crystal witch can be found charging and cleansing their crystals. The crystal witch is always expanding their knowledge on the hundreds of crystals that exist here on earth. If someone is in some type of emotional healing, a crystal witch will know the perfect crystal to make that person feel better. Number three is the sea witch. The sea witch is happiest when they're near bodies of water, like our seas and our oceans. They're connected to them and they bring in their energies and their spells and their rituals. Their altar and their home may be filled with different elements from the ocean, such as seashells, sand, moss. They may even have a jar filled with water collected from the sea or the ocean. A sea witch will often take the opportunity, any opportunity available to them to be near water. They have an extensive knowledge of sea creatures, and their spirit animal might be a sea animal as well. As a child, you might love dolphins or sea creatures. Just, like, feeling that connection, even through childhood, could be, you know, a sign later on you might want to pursue that. Number four is the hedge witch. Hedge witches practice what is known as a hedge jump. The adventurer is, fl is fleeing this world and entering another one. So the safe haven witch can communicate with the spiritual world and can pass information between the two worlds. So the hedge witch is living between our realm and the spiritual realm. So they know that we are more than just the body that we live in and often are able to disconnect from their bodies through astral projection. They bring messages from the spiritual world back to our earthly world. Some would even consider hedge witches shamans. Hedge witches are also natural healers, and they have a deep knowledge for herbs. They use them to, on all areas of their practice. They enjoy not only learning about the regular healing herbs, but also about poisonous herbs as well. And then next, we have the green witch. The green witch is similar to the garden witch, as they love to be in nature. A green witch is happiest when surrounded by the life force of plants and the energies of the earth. The green witches prefer to do their spells and their rituals among nature. They're experts in the medical and magical properties of herbs and may even have their own garden. The magical tools that they usually craft are things that come from the earth. They might use like a branch or a twig for a wand. Their altar in their home is filled with elements of nature such as like flowers and herbs and crystals and other homely earthly elements. If you have an altar outside, or if they have an altar outside, 
of their home, it's typically found among trees and plants. And if they have a garden, they will use the herbs to grow in their spells and rituals. A garden which is practice would not be complete, of course, without the incorporating energies of nature. They are true environmentalists and they do their part to care for Mother Earth. They typically ditch the plastic for grass, have a compost bin, and are really big fans of recycling. Number six is the kitchen witch, also known as the hearth witch or the home or home witch. Actually, a hearth witch is a little bit different than a home than a kitchen witch. Kitchen witches basically create the most magic in their home or the kitchen. They're very home based, um, and basically, their kitchen witches love to cook and brew and use herbs sometimes gathered from their garden. Kitchen witches may have stone stoves or countertop altars, pots and jars may contain fresh herbs or magical properties that have been added to recipes and cooking. So when you spend time cooking from scratch, this helps. Make it a sacred move, and your family will appreciate the work and the energy that you share with them. So when practicing, they combine their own personal and individual magical energy with essential oils, herbs, foods, and everyday objects to create their spells, rituals, and magic. And lastly, we have my kind of witch, who I, the kind of witch that I am, called an eclectic witch. The eclectic witch is not fixated on any religion, customs, traditions, or culture, There are so many sources, so many customs, and eventually they become the witch's job. They may worship higher beings, or their actions may be mostly secular, 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 or they might may be a spirit of their own. Eclectic witches will eventually develop develop their own rules and their own practice based off of you know their own unique things that they seek out to do. Eclectic witches combine historical materials, information read online, some of the knowledge that they learned from a class, and their own personal experiences all combined in a practical method to perform spells and rituals. In some cases, the term compromise is used to distinguish the modified magical tradition from its original form or to distinguish between a non-active who are practicing their use and other forms of oath materials. Although some eclectic witches have designated them as the new Wiccans, there are still a large number of non-eclectic witches who use magical traditions the most and resonate with them. So I do have a YouTube video where I go more in depth on these as well as many more other types of witches that you can check out on my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash intuitive IVM as in Mary. So next is going to be some tips for those that do want to begin witchcraft. So if you guys did want to pursue this practice, let me give you some pointers from an experienced witch to be a beginner witch, otherwise what we call baby witches. Number one is to find out why. Why do you want to practice witchcraft? And what are you hoping to learn from this practice? Why do you want to be a witch? What do you want to do? When you start asking yourself these questions, you're going to basically start to pick like, well, I want to learn astrology. Well, I want to learn tarot and start to develop like the different skills that you want to grasp. And eventually when you start pursuing these things, like if you want to learn astrology, you start looking at astrology. You might call yourself a uh, astrology witch or a cosmic witch. Um, And you might find your path that way. When you start to realize like, you know what, this is what I'm interested in and you'll know like what you want to 
um, practice. And yeah, it's a good start to know exactly why you want to practice witchcraft. Number two is that you don't need all the tools right now. So when you start learning about witchcraft, especially if you read Raymond Buckland's complete book of witchcraft, which I honestly advise that you do not start off with that book. It's a good book, but I feel like that's more for a more experienced witch because that was my first book and I got genuinely very confused. I felt like in order to even be considered a witch, I would have to go out to the store and buy all these crystals, all these cauldrons, all these wands, thames, all the sorts of stuff that I didn't need because I didn't know that it Wiccan that a Wiccan practice was different than just being a witch itself. So you don't need all that. Honestly, you can just starting off with like just a few books of subjects that you're interested in, or even like if you know that you're interested in crystals, starting out with a few crystals and a wand. Honestly, I don't even know the last time that I've used my wand. Um, but just starting off with little things here and there are some cleansing items. So like a sage alternative. So like rosemary is a good alternative would be a good place to start. Um, you don't honestly don't need to spend all this money on all these different tools. You really, really don't. Number three is that don't feel like you need to follow a particular path or a DT right away. Like don't, don't. Okay. Like research read a lot, learn, and do. You do not have to follow a path. Eventually, later on down the road, when you start to realize what exactly it is that you do enjoy and what you don't, maybe there is a path that you might feel called to. For example, if you find that you only like herbs and stuff, maybe you want to be a green witch. If you find that you want to just study the stars and the planets and work with planetary magic or moon magic, you might just be a cosmic witch. But if you are interested in both herbs, cosmic, tarot, that's okay. You're probably an eclectic witch, but don't feel like you have to stick to one particular thing right away. You'll eventually try to you'll eventually start to figure out exactly what kind of witch you want to be and if you're a collective and want to dabble into a whole bunch of things that is perfectly okay because a witchcraft is your practice and whatever you feel called to that's what i love about it that you have that luxury you have the freedom there are no restrictions there are no rules you make your own goddamn rules and i fucking love that so there and the deity thing please When you're starting out witchcraft, don't feel like you have to pick a deity right away. Or don't even feel like you have to pick a deity at all. Start If you want to start off working with someone, I would start off working with your ancestors and your spirit guides. Because those are the people that are very, very close to you that you honestly don't have to do all this work for. A deity requires more work. They do sometimes require their own altar, their own specific time, their own... um, uh offerings that they need so i wouldn't work with a deity right away especially when you're just starting out if you if there's a deity that you feel like is calling out to you and they'll make it clear when they're calling out to you and you do choose to do to work with them then then you can practice that but i wouldn't start off with a deity right away i would like after i you gain a little bit of knowledge then maybe see if one calls out to you Um, and if one calls out to you right away, just be like, Hey, can I have a little bit more time? And usually they're very patient about it. And then when, when they feel like you're ready, then they'll come back. 
Um, so number four is to write everything down. So writing everything in the book of shadows is really good for witches. Also make sure that you're researching a lot, reading a lot, learning a lot, because that's honestly the 99% of a witchcraft practice is learning and gaining knowledge and working on that book of shadows, because that's the place where you're basically going to be writing down your notes. And we live in a day and age where everything's digitized. So if you're the type of person that doesn't really like to handwrite things, that is perfectly okay. Write open up a notepad on your phone you can have your book of shadows on your phone um you can have it on your ipad you can have it on like a microsoft word page you don't have to specifically handwrite it i am an old school type of gal i have the old leather bound parchment paper pen sort of uh book of shadows but that's just me but everybody's different and then lastly, number five is to join a witch community. I don't specifically, I don't mean a coven. Don't, you don't have to join a coven. But even if you go on like Facebook, even if you go on, um, uh, what's it called? Instagram, you're going to find other witches that share a similar practice to you or that, you know, are very experienced. And I love that because when I first got into witchcraft, I joined a YouTube, uh, not a YouTube, I'm sorry, a Facebook witchcraft group, not a coven, just a group on of group of witches on Facebook and they helped me so much with so many questions that I had they gave me their opinions on things and I loved it because it was a lot of love like it's a lot of love because it's like-minded people just like you and you if there's something that you know you can answer for them and it's this very beautiful community of witches helping other witches and I absolutely love it um I also do have one myself um it's a book club it's called the spirit sisters book club which you can find on facebook.com under groups as the spirit sisters book club if you wanted to join it because we do read um witchcraft books but you can also post any witchcraft questions that you have there um um but I do have more tips for you if you did want to learn more about if you wanted to start the witchcraft practice on my YouTube channel. Again, youtube.com slash intuitiveivm. I do have a video where I go in a lot of detail about different tips when you want to start out with witchcraft. Anyways, you guys, that is everything. I am so happy to make this episode. I'm so happy that I have that luxury of being a witch that's free to be able to really just, you know, put the word out of how, like, witches really are and that we're not these evil things that you see in the media. Um, so I hope you guys liked this episode and I hope that I was able to expand your knowledge, that I was able to open up your mind about what witches really, really, truly are and that we're actually pretty nice. (laughs) So anyways, you guys, I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast episode and I will see you next week on the next podcast episode. Bye.